What if we took all of our board games and put them into one board game, and then thus expanding upon the fun? Down some some rules real quick. I just have a couple pages here. I'm just gonna oh. go over um, the backstory, the lore. So it starts with it's 1859. Over here, your Pokemon cards. You need to use your energies. You can play your energies, but if you have if you have a cat a cat catamelon card, when we roll the pigs, if their tail is up. Check this part. I didn't go with that part down. Okay, no. Only if you have enough resource cards. Seems like it would be better spending time together doing this if there weren't so many rules. Yes, this did get a little complicated. A little bit. Yeah, yeah can Sorry. we just play both it? Melon. Welcome back. Welcome to Together for Salem. This is episode 17 uh -huh. of our online series. I am Monica. This is Aaron. Howdy. Welcome to our board game table. We don't have our family trophy. Oh well, we have a family trophy. I'll show it to you later. Anyway, welcome to episode 17. This is part three of our Jesus versus Religion series tonight, today, whenever you're watching this. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about people versus rules. People versus rules. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exciting. We are a church. We are representing Cross Creek Community Church. We're your hosts for this episode. Uh, we're a church for people who don't normally go to church. Um, so thanks for joining us in our home. We started doing this, gosh, it was, feels like years ago, mid-March. Just March. Yeah. Mid-March. Um, putting these episodes online because we couldn't gather as a church because of COVID-19. And we're still going, still going strong. So thanks for finding us, thanks for watching us. You can hit subscribe, hit the bell, follow us on Facebook, whatevs, and then you'll see um, new episodes anytime we post them, which is usually on Saturdays. We do love to give stuff away. Yes, we do. So uh, this week's This giveaway, is like our 17th or 16th giveaway. So we get to give stuff away every week, which is awesome. This week's giveaway is to Agape Custom Shop. Luke made me this hat, it's my favorite new hat. And uh, this week's winners, fireworks, Independence Day. Beautiful. Ali C. Ali C commented this week and he won himself, randomly drawn, won himself a cap. Enter to win this week's giveaway, which would be King's Kitchen in mm -hmm. Fork 40 Food Hall. Hey, I did it. Nice job. It's a great new spot downtown. It's a it's a food hall with a bunch of, they're not trucks, they're booths. Mm -hmm. uh, Slick Licks is there, King's Kitchen is there. They're the ones we're doing the giveaway for this week. It's Asian Fusion, Drunken Noodles. They do this amazing fried chicken thing, some red curry, like great mm -hmm. menu, really delicious food. Curry. It's exciting. We love giving stuff away. Yep. And we really enjoy um, featuring small businesses mm -hmm. here locally in Salem and Kaiser area because there are people uh, that work in those places and people that are running those businesses trying to trying to stay afloat in these times and just a great way for you to go out and support your local business and the mm -hmm. families that are in those local businesses That's because right. God is for them he is for Salem he is for you and speaking of people oh. people or religion oh yeah people, people or rules, or rules. Mm -hmm. that's what we're gonna talk about next let's hear let's hear from John part three part three to you mr. Silva 
When I was in seventh grade, I had a teacher I will never forget. And it's not because of how much she loved the subject matter, and it's not because of how much she, she loved teaching kids and it was just her life to mold these young minds and change the future. No, I'll never forget her because she loved making and enforcing rules. It was, it was like her favorite thing to be able to have this control and this power over these middle school kids. Like she had her own kingdom that she could control. In fact, she's one of the reasons, and I had good examples of why I became a teacher also, but she, she's one of the reasons that my first career was being a middle school teacher. She's one of the reasons I was a middle school teacher for six years because I wanted kids to experience a teacher who didn't love rules, a teacher who cared more about the kids than controlling the kids. And in fact, it's this rule enforcement that's one of the reasons I, I left teaching because I got tired of having to be the rule enforcer, of kids seeing me as the, as the guy who had to, you know, toe the line and follow all the rules so the kids would keep in line and all that. And so it's why I left teaching. And I'm not a fan of rules. And I don't think you are either. Most of us are not fans of rules. We don't like being controlled. Maybe you've had that experience, a overbearing teacher. Maybe you grew up with an overbearing parent. Or right now, you have an overbearing supervisor or boss. You know what it's like for somebody to want to have control over you and, and make you follow the rules. And it's even worse when religion is behind it. When they, when they use religion to enforce their rules. Like, you need to do this because God's going to get you. Or, this is the rule you follow. Why? Well, because the Bible says so, or because Jesus is going to zap you, or because the other religious people are going to judge you if you don't follow that rule. And that may, be, that, that may be why you left the church when you were younger, when you had a chance to get away from the rules. It might be why you've never tried church in the first place, because you know these rules that you're expected to follow. It might be why when we say church, there's a bad taste in your mouth because of these overbearing rules. And you know this, I know this, we all know this. Here's the thing. Religious rules are designed to control. See, the people with the power, the people with the influence, make and enforce rules so that others who are under their authority will obey, will toe the line, will do what they want them to do so that those in power can exert that power over them. The interesting thing is it was the religious rule makers, the religious rule followers that were always at odds with Jesus. In fact, they're the ones who had Jesus killed. Why? Because he wouldn't follow their rules. He, he refused to be controlled by their rules. And even more so, he refused to allow others to be controlled by their rules. See, Jesus, one of the reasons they wanted to kill Jesus was because he was a direct threat to their power, to their authority to their control. And so what I want to do, I want to show you something that is incredibly important. And it's something that a lot of us have kind of lost as we've gone on with our lives and this, these rules that we feel we have to follow. So I want to show you something so important. And it's this, that Jesus doesn't love rules. Jesus loves people. And so to, to explain this point, I want, to, I want to tell you a story. So come with me. I'm going to tell you a story. So this story that I want to talk about is a true story that uh, we find in what we call the, the book of Matthew. It's actually an autobiography almost of Matthew's life with 
Jesus. He, Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples. We talked about him uh, in our past episode. And in this uh, scene that we're looking at, Jesus and his disciples are walking through a field, not like this one, and the disciples get hungry. And they start picking grain off, off the, you know, the grain that's growing in the field. The problem is, it was the Sabbath. And the religious rules of the time said, you cannot do any work on the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees, who were like the rule keepers and the rule makers, they made extra rules so that people wouldn't break the rules. They saw Jesus and like, Jesus, why are your disciples breaking the rules? And Jesus like, oh my gosh, you guys, haven't you read and super insulting for this religious, these religious leaders who had uh, memorized the scripture. He said, haven't you read when King David, right? David and Goliath, when King David went to the, the house of God and his men were hungry. And so he grabbed the bread for his men. That was the food was, the bread was only for the priests, but David's men ate it because they were hungry. Haven't you read that? And then Jesus said, and haven't you read that when the priests are working in God's temple, they work on the Sabbath in order to fulfill God's law. So what are you saying? You can't do good on the Sabbath. And so the Sabbath was the holy day of the week for the Jews. It had been set up by the law of Moses back when the, the Jews left Egypt. And it all went back to the story of creation where God rested on the seventh day after he created the world. And for the, for the Jews, they said, hey, God's law said rest on the Sabbath. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Keep the Sabbath holy. You rest. You don't do work so that you're not just distracted about making a living, but you focus on God and his love for you and everything he made for you. And so the, the Pharisees put extra rules on that, saying you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't even, you know, there's only so, much, so far you can go from your home on the Sabbath, which had nothing to do with God's law. And so David's, or Jesus says, haven't you read this? And he talks about the temple, and then, then he says to these Pharisees, someone greater than the temple is here. And he's basically saying, look, you are totally missing it because you've been so focused on judging others. You've been so focused on enforcing your rules that you've missed something greater than even the temple that you celebrate. In fact, Jesus, he's saying the one who's greater than the temple is here. It's why we don't follow the Sabbath rule anymore. It's a good idea to take a rest at least once a week and focus on what God's given you, but we don't follow it as a rule that, you know, keeps you happy with God and that type of thing because Jesus came to fulfill that law. We're not held to that law anymore. And so Jesus, Jesus goes on talking to these, these Pharisees and he says, but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. Again, saying you don't even know what you've been learning. And he's, he quotes the scripture that we talked about last episode. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. If you knew what that meant when God said that, you totally understand what I'm doing. And isn't it interesting that Matthew records that phrase again? Because the first time we saw it, Jesus used it to defend Matthew against these Pharisees. So Jesus again says it. So it's like probably one of Matthew's favorite lines that Jesus said. I, that God wants us to show mercy, not offer sacrifices sacrifices. And here's the point. Knowing and following rules doesn't make you godly. The rules, knowing all the rules and fo even following all the rules does not make you godly. Treating people like God treats people is what makes you godly. Acting like God makes you godly. A godly person acts as God 
would act with his never-ending, never-giving-up love, with his forgiveness, with his acceptance, with treating everybody with worth, and especially with having mercy on people. See, godly isn't knowing. Godly is doing. And so, so many times, especially if you're a Jesus follower, maybe you've said this or you've heard people say this, I just want some deep Bible teaching. That's all I need is some deep Bible teaching. You know what? It's not that deep. And if you, oh, this is going to get me in trouble, but we're going to say it. All right, producer. If it's deep, deep Bible teaching usually means confusing. People get that um, misconstrued. The, it's the simple stuff God cares about, the actual doing. If you know all of it and you do none of it, you've forgotten the whole point. That's what these Pharisees are talking about. Or, or that's what Jesus is talking about with these Pharisees. You know all of this. You say you do. But have you read the actual meaning of it? Do you do what it says you need to do? Treating people like God treats them. And then Jesus drops this huge theological bomb on them that they can't even, they can't even understand at the time. He goes on and he says this, For the Son of Man, and that's his phrase for himself. There's a lot of theology behind that, which we can talk about later. But for the Son of Man is Lord. God in charge of is Lord even over the Sabbath, even over this law that's one of the top 10 commands of God. I am over that. He's saying, like, this holy day of yours, yeah, I'm in charge of that. And you know what? I invented it, so I get to say what it means. Who would do that? Who would actually? That's what he's saying. I'm in charge of your holy day that Moses gave you, and I get to say what it means. So either Jesus is crazy, either he's a megalomaniac, or he's telling the truth and he actually is God. And I think that's the big answer we all, big question, we all have to answer at some point in our lives. But we'll move on. And so in case these Pharisees, these rule keepers and makers didn't get it, then he puts this principle into practice. And he actually proves that he is who he says he is. The story goes on. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. So they knew Jesus could heal a guy with a deformed hand. That didn't blow their minds enough. They're trying to trap him by saying, hey, are you gonna heal this guy on the Sabbath? Is it okay for you to miraculously do this work of God on the Sabbath? Because if you do, then you're a rule breaker. And so he's, they're setting Jesus up and they're using this poor guy, this poor guy with a deformed hand to trap Jesus. And that's what religion does. See, religion prioritizes rules over people. In fact, most bad religious experiences, and maybe this has been your experience, most bad religious experiences come from people prioritizing rules over other people. People prioritizing their view over other people. And so Jesus shows them right here that they have no idea what they're talking about and they have no legitimate authority to be saying this is the rules of God. And Jesus shows them that they, even though they think they know better, they should know better, but they've completely missed the point. And so Jesus goes on and he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Wouldn't you work to pull this sheep of yours out of a well on the Sabbath so it doesn't die? Like, haven't you read this? Of course you would, he says. And how much more valuable is a person 
than a sheep. Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And in classic Jesus style, he doesn't just answer their question. He asks them a que- he, he actually asks them a question instead of just answering the question. Jesus does this all the time. You can check it out in the eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how Jesus always like, takes on these guys with his own question. So he says, you, you, you're wealthy religious guys. By the way, the Pharisees are super wealthy guys. You're wealthy. You own all these sheep. If it, one, just one, fell into a well, you do the work of pulling it out of the well, even if it was on Sabbath, wouldn't you? And he says, how much more important do you think people are than sheep? You jackwagons? Like, what are you thinking? People are way more important than sheep. See, religion prioritizes rules over people. Jesus prioritizes people over everything. And so the Pharisees probably thinking, who do you think you are? And so Jesus is like, hey, hold my beer and watch this. Then Jesus, he, Jesus, said to the man, hold out your hand. So just imagine being the man. Be, imagine being one of the disciples watching this and seeing like these religious leaders who have been holding these rules over you your whole life are now in conflict with this, this teacher you've been following. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. And the passage goes on. Then the Pharisees were shocked and admitted they were wrong and started following Jesus. Right? That's what you would probably do, I would hope. That's what normal people would do, we would think. But that's not what it says. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. They see this amazing thing and they're like, holy cow, he, he healed on the Sabbath, now we have to kill him. And how do we know they called a meeting about how to kill Jesus? Well, the Apostle Paul, who later becomes a main Jesus follower, was a Pharisee. And we see in Acts 15, 5, a little side note, that a lot of these Pharisees later, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, started following him. So we have some insider information. Anyway, the point is Jesus proves his identity and proves his authority, but he also proves God's heart for people. Proves that God's heart is more for people than for rule following. And so the Pharisees had a choice. Admit they're wrong. Join the party that's obviously happening because this guy's hand was healed. That's one choice, but they don't take that choice because their religion, their power is threatened. They choose to cling to their religion. They hide in their anger and they start planning Jesus's murder. And that's what religion does. See, religion replaces love with rules. It blinds you to the actual needs of the people around you. And unfortunately, There's a lot of that religious, that Pharisee thinking in all of us. Even if you don't call yourself religious, there's some of this Pharisee thinking in all of us. Here's a tough question. When your religion, and if you don't have religion, when your point of view, when your opinion, when your political leanings are threatened, how do you react? Oh, you you feel differently than me. Maybe I should... I should self-reflect and think about our differences and maybe, maybe see where, where I might be a little bit wrong so I can adjust. Maybe I'm missing something. That's what you do, right? That's not what we do. See, we usually answer out of anger. We get defensive. We attack. We cancel them because they don't feel the same way I feel. They're not doing life the way I think they should do life. And so we ghost them, right? Often we put our views, our rules of what we think people should do with their lives over those very people. I think it's time for us to prioritize people over views. It's time for us to do instead of just 
No. Because the transformation of love is far more powerful than the enforcement of rules. The transformation of love is far more powerful than the enforcement of rules. So I think there's a little bit of Pharisee in all of us, but we also identify with that man in the synagogue with the deformed hand. We just want to be helped. We just want to be healed. We want to have the life that we believe is out there, that we're all trying to have. And many of our experiences with church tells us that, you know, if we want God to notice us and give us that life, well, then we have to get in line. We have to behave. We have to obey all the rules the right way without question. We have to enslave our natural feelings and and change our personality, conform. And if you don't, well, then obviously there's something wrong with you, right? It's not, not the system. It's not the rules. It's you. You're evil, obviously. And they use guilt. One of the most powerful forces that we, that humanity has at their hands is guilt. Getting people to do what you want them to do by making them feel bad about themselves. But this is so important. And I, if you've been spacing off, this is the time to tune in. I want you to hear this. If the version of Christianity you've experienced doesn't make you feel free, it's not Christianity. If the version of, of Christianity that you had forced on you, that you uh, experienced as a kid, or that your, your in-law or relative tries to preach at you, doesn't make you feel free, it's not actually Christianity. Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, Jesus showed us there's a better way than rules, than religion. There's the way of love. And the way of love only has two rules. Love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And everything else is wrapped up in that. Every rule you could think of how to treat people is wrapped up in love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, but John, I've read a lot of the New Testament and there's a lot of rules in there about how you're supposed to live and da 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 da. No, there's not. See, every command or, or what we call a rule that's in the New Testament writings it's just a description of what it means to follow Jesus. It's just a description of, hey, you want to know what a life of love looks like? This is how love acts. Love is patient. Love is kind. They're all descriptions of what the life of love that we all want to live is actually like. What does love look like? Here's a description for you. And being free, this freedom from rules, it's not freedom just to do whatever you want. Maybe you've tried that and you've realized that's actually more enslaving than, some, than having some rules. Because you're enslaved to just whatever you feel like at the moment and there's, you're enslaved to the regrets that come from that. See, this freedom, it's better. You're free and empowered to love. You're not forced to follow rules. You're free to love as love is needed around you. And you're empowered by God to love with his love. And that guilt that we have, if you're following Jesus, think about this. Jesus died for everything you ever did and everything you ever will do. The fine that the guilt feels you have to pay has already been paid. You just have to accept his gift. See, Jesus came to set us free of guilt, set us free of shame, set us free of rules that make us think we don't measure up. Have you, if you've accepted that freedom, then the next time guilt comes, you can say, look, guilt, wherever that's coming from, it's not about the rules. I've been set free. I'm free. Maybe you need that, that experience of just declaring, I am free. Maybe if comment on this wherever you're watching or listening, just 
comment, I am free. And maybe it's the time where you're like, I wanna choose this freedom. I've never experienced this freedom that you're talking about, but I wanna follow Jesus. Then you can write to us at info at yourcrosscreek.com and just write, I'm ready to be free. And we'll know what that means and we'll follow up with you and, and, and talk to you about what that actually means to be free and how to accept that freedom. Because religion creates rules that enslave people to try to get them to do fewer bad things. Maybe that's been your experience. You thought the rules were just to change you and conform you so you did less bad things so your scale balanced out. Maybe you resisted church because of all the rules you thought you were supposed to keep. Jesus offers to free us from all of that, to transform us into who we were always meant to be. Imagine a, imagine a life free from guilt, a life free from shame, a life where you're free to be you. Free from having to live up to other people's rules and other people's expectations. A life where you're free and you're empowered to love others through God's love. See, religion enslaves. Jesus frees and transforms. And remember, if the version of Christianity you've experienced doesn't make you feel free, it's not Christianity. So be free. Follow Jesus. Don't follow a religion. Aaron and Monica, back to you. All right, Aaron's coming. He's going to get that family trophy. There it is. There it is. In all its glory. Family game champion. Thank you, John, for that um, message on people over rules yeah and being free that's right i love that that's one of my favorite things about following jesus is the freedom mm -hmm. so if you want to follow up with us um with anything that you heard you can ask a question on our website um, here's the information how to do that uh, we'll get back to you in an email um, we'll just start a conversation we're not going to pretend like we have all the answers but just keep the conversation going or start a conversation with us by just asking a question maybe john said something that challenged you or that made you wonder something. So go ahead and shoot us a question um, or just follow with us if you want more information about what it means to follow Jesus and be free. Um, you can also use our website for that. And bonus, anytime uh, we have a new person, um, send us a welcome form through our website. Uh, we'll send you a Starbucks e-gift card. It's an easy way for us to thank you for watching. Um, I think there's a Starbucks maybe in every town. Probably. Across the globe. Yep. So anybody watching from anywhere um, can use that Starbucks card and drink coffee. Yes. Or tea. Or. Or cake pops. A chai latte. Ooh, fancy. Or a blonde roast. Anyway. Americano. We like to support local businesses, <laughs> but we also understand it's. If you live in um, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't know what gift card to send you. Right. But damn Starbucks. We would love to hear from you and um, interact with you and just say thanks for listening. So yeah, that's all I've got. That's it. You yes. got anything? Nope. Okay. Some questions coming up. Share with uh, somebody that you're with or just talk to yourself. Totally acceptable <laughs> right now. I think more than ever. And, uh, they could talk to their dog. They could. Or their cat. They could, they could talk to, yeah, or their imaginary friend or their real friend. Yeah. Or talk so, to us. Or talk to us. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of Together for Salem.
See you soon. Maybe someday I'll win this thing. Uh, oh.